Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James Pywell and this is the 92 podcast. I'm on a quest to speak to one fan from each of the 92 football teams that make up the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two. Each episode, I'll shine the spotlight on a different club, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes, and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, we take a look at a team that shocked the footballing world back in 2016 when they won the Premier League against all odds. It's Leicester City. When you look at where Leicester have been in the past decade or couple of decades, it has been on and off of success and failure up and down. There's a big feeling of togetherness, and that stretched out to the whole of Leicester, when you see some of the pictures and the celebrations. I was at home, I was with my dad and my brother. We watched the Chelsea Tottenham game unfold and it was just when that Hazard goal went in, it was almost a bit of disbelief that it's actually happened. Now, the extent of my knowledge of Leicester is that Premier League title win. They've got Jamie Vardy and the city is quite well known for a certain crisps company. Now, to help me add to that knowledge, I'm joined by Sunil. Welcome, thank you for coming on to have a chat with me. Thank you for having me. It's good to be on. So you're a Leicester fan, obviously. How long have you been a fan of the Foxes? Mid to late 90s. I think my first game was 1996 against Newcastle. So quite a while. What was that experience like when you first saw Leicester City play? As a six-year-old, from what I can remember, quite exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. It's one of those where you you never look back after your first game. So I kind of have to give my dad probably a bit of credit for taking me at that time. I was going to say, is it something that runs in the family supporting Leicester City? Yeah, dad and older brother, probably the biggest influences. So um had to follow them really, didn't I? <laughs> so what was it that got you into football in the first place? What was it about that first match that made you addicted to football? Yeah, so I think it was the, um, the ex- just the excitement of going to your first game, walking up the steps at Filbert Street as it was, seeing the open stadium, seeing the open pitch. It was being with your family, um, just that whole experience of first game obviously as a six-year-old it's quite a limited memory but again you never look back do you no you don't so we're going to talk about that that famous title win in a little bit but what are some of your other highlights of supporting Leicester I'd say probably the promotions that we had probably early noughties we were known as a bit of a yo-yo club so whenever we were promoted back to the Premier League they're they're quite good memories um Champions League obviously after the title win um and there's one game that stands out as well and probably Leeds fans won't thank me for it but we thrashed them 4-0 in 2003 um, when we got promoted back to the Premier League. We did get relegated that season but that can be kind of forgotten about. <laughs> what are some of the lower points then of supporting Leicester? Definitely relegated to League One. First time in <laughs> our history. Third tier. Not a great feeling but to use a cliche it's a blessing in disguise because we got it was an opportunity for us to kind of just take stock of where we are, get rid of some deadwood in the club and then kind of start afresh with obviously Nigel Pearson being hired. He was a great manager to have as a, to build a foundation to get us back up to not only the championship, but also in his second spell up to the Premier League. So who were some of your favourite players, past and present, that you've seen pull on a Leicester shirt? Past definitely has to be Emil Heskey and Muzzy Is It. Um, for me, growing up watching Leicester in the Premier League or Division One or Championship, they were two players that would stand out. I know Heskey left a bit before we were in the Championship, but they were two players that were just 
icons and legends now of the football club. They would just always perform and they were great to watch. What about the present team then? Is there any players that you're never really going to forget because they're that good? Uh, Vardy. <laughs> um, I don't, <laughs> don't think his uh, achievements with Leicester can be can ever be understated. Not Not just as a Leicester fan, but... I think any Premier League fan, any football fan has to appreciate the journey he's been on and not just the journey to get to the Premier League, but once he's there, he's just absolutely smashed it. I think he's surpassed 100 goals as a Leicester player as in the Premier League. Um, and to do what he's done at his age in only just over six years is just phenomenal. There's not really any other player that I can think could do that in a very long time. So what was it like as a Leicester fan when Jamie Vardy actually signed? Were you sceptical of the signing? Uh, I think a lot was made about the price tag. Uh, I think he was the first yeah. non-league player to be sold for a million pounds. So there, already there's a lot of pressure. And considering we weren't back in the Premier League at that time, we were still in the Championship, um, it was seen as a lot of money spent. But you, you could kind of tell in some of his performances that there's a quality player there it was just about if he would get to that level and I think there was a pre-season I think after the first season he signed he knew where he had to improve and I think that shows a lot of the character in that in Vardy he knew where he had to improve to get to where he wants to be and that's probably the non-league experience talking as well that drive and that attitude and that character. Do you think it's paved the way for other teams to take a little bit more of a look at non-league or do you reckon that Vardy was probably a one-off? I, I don't think he's a one-off, but I think he would probably do a lot of scouting, which obviously Leicester are quite famed for recently in terms of recruitment. But yeah. there's there's definitely players there. He's I don't think he's got, he's a one-off, and there's it's as much about the player as the club. I think the player Vardy had a lot of a lot of determination to make it. Um, so while they might be good players in non-league, they have to have the will and ambition and drive to want to make it to the top. Yeah, absolutely. So. We're going to go to that Premier League title win in 2016 now. I'm going to ask you probably an, a question that I probably know the answer to, but did you expect it to happen at the start of that season? Not a chance. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm one of those fans that um, regretted not putting any money on <laughs> at 5,000 yeah. to the one, because I know, I know a few people that did, or heard a few people that did, um, even just a 10 or a 20 quid, and <laughs> when we won in May, they were raking it in, weren't they? <laughs> So what was the aim at the beginning of that season? Obviously, you just avoided relegation the season mm. before. Was the aspiration for that season just to avoid relegation again? For me, it probably would have been a little bit more, um, not just to avoid relegation, but to maybe establish ourselves as a Premier League side. After With the way that we survived the season before, the great escape and leaving it quite late, um, it was a, still a good platform to build on um, for the following season. And I think everything just fell into place with with us that season to not just establish ourselves as a Premier League side but to do the unthinkable and with other clubs perhaps not playing or not being as good as they are now or as good as they were again fell into our hands and we were just in the prime position to capitalise on that. Was there a turning point in the season where in your mind you were like well actually we might do this? I don't think there was one particular one Um, there's probably a few so there was in January where we went away to Tottenham and won one nil. Um, I think it was Huth scored from a corner, and then a few weeks after that we had a a week of playing Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City, 
and we lost against Arsenal 2-1 um, funny enough probably on this weekend five years <laughs> six years ago and there was a picture on social media that the Arsenal players put up where they had a team photo and as if they'd won the league and that seemed to be the kind of the kick that we needed to okay yeah we lost a game but we're still in it we're still I think we were second at the time we're still in the race to win and it was that character from everyone in the team that wasn't going to kind of dwell on that loss and we then went to Man City and then beat Liverpool um, Mm. which was just crazy (laughs) so how did it feel then on the day that Leicester won the Premier League unreal (laughs) there's I don't (laughs) think there's just one word to describe it um when when you look at where Leicester have been in the past decade or couple of decades it has been on and off of success and failure up and down so to reach that high was just yeah there's there's no words to describe it and I was I was at home, I was with my dad and my brother. We watched the Chelsea-Tottenham game unfold and it was just, when that Hazard goal went in, it was almost a bit of disbelief that it's actually happened. Do you reckon that Leicester could ever win the Premier League again? I think so. I think we could, uh, whether that's this season or not. I, who knows? But yeah. I think the it's where the club has done well off the field. There's, they've set a very, very solid foundation to be where we are now and build on that. So we've got a new training ground uh, in Seagrave, £100 million. So there's huge investment from the owners and they seem to invest well. They don't just invest for the sake of it. They have a clear plan and it's as if everyone who comes into the club, whether it's on or off the field, buys into that plan and that's what gets the club moving forward in a very progressive but ambitious way. Do you think there's anything else that other than the on-the-pitch stuff that Leicester could be doing to try and improve their fortunes even more than what they are at the moment? Possibly a stadium expansion. Um, I mean, that's in the planning at the moment anyway. Um, yeah. And I think that could properly take us to the next level because there's sometimes a lot of criticism about our stadium. It's a bit, a bit identical to a lot of other stadiums. So having our own kind of design and bigger, bigger crowds, bigger stadium, um, it might even help with attracting more players on top of what's already there. Uh, I think that would be a big step to establishing us as a top six side, let alone just a Premier League side. So what is the atmosphere like at the King Power Stadium then? Obviously, we're still not allowed back into stadiums yet, but what is it like on a regular match day at the King Power Stadium? For me, I love it. I love it. There's um, sometimes a lot of comments by Leicester fans or other fans that it's a bit too quiet, but when... The King Power is rocking. You know it's rocking. <laughs> um, especially on when we were in the Champions League, obviously they're special games in their own right. But when you're there on that night and the Champions League music starts and the atmosphere is... When it was when you're in the middle of that, you kind of never experience anything like that again. And I think the same when fans are allowed, are allowed back in the stadiums. I think everywhere it would just be a totally different feeling because I think people would just appreciate it more maybe they'll be less uh, abusive to players maybe there'll be a more of a collective feeling of appreciation that you can watch football again in the start anyway that might not change it might not be the case for a long time but I think everyone who attends a football game again when there's thousands a full packed stadium I think there'll be um, a lot of appreciation of just being there in the moment how did you cope with not being able to physically get to games very difficult in to begin with because 
you had the kind of unknown of how long is a lockdown going to last and how long, yeah. when, when can I go to a game again? Uh, obviously the season stopped. So then when summer came around and football was back on, there's nothing that beats being in the stadium. And when you watch it on TV, you got the fake crowd noises. Yeah, you can watch a game on TV, but every single game on TV isn't, can never replicate the feeling of being in a stadium. And ironically, Leicester's stadium and um, Leicester's game against Aston Villa was the last Premier League game I think that actually took place before it was all locked down and all season stopped so it was nice to be at that last game and it kind of just wants you to get back you want to get back into that feeling as soon as possible but as safe as possible of course as well. Absolutely so when we're able to get back into stadiums obviously as a Premier League club most of your matches are on TV anyway do you think mm. that will affect attendance at first do you reckon people will be a little bit cautious of going back into the stadium and prefer the comfort of watching it at home? I think possibly uh, I think the perception of people attending games at the moment I think there'll be a lot of caution staff with mainly on a safety aspect um, yeah. And again, you, you don't know what capacity is going to be like at each ground. Um, is it going to be a few thousand or a certain percentage? And I think that will play a big part in people going back to stadiums to watch games because they might watch a game on TV and think that the atmosphere isn't what it used to be. And whereas some people might just want to get back into the stadium to have that feeling again. What is the community aspect of the club like? All the Leicester fans quite tight-knit or i think it's very tight-knit i think there's when especially when you have something that happened like us winning the league in 2016 there was a lot of there's a big feeling of togetherness and that stretched out to the whole of leicester when you see some of the pictures and the celebrations and i think that's partly down to our owner um, who obviously sadly passed away he instilled a lot of the community togetherness so charitable donations to hospitals to the communities and that's been followed up by his son as well so I think in the club there's a very good feeling and that does spread out to the whole of the city I think good so there's there's clearly a unity there how has that affected you you alluded to it a little bit there when obviously the the sad passing of your chairman in that horrific accident I think in the first first few months maybe even a year it was still very raw and I think there was still probably a lot of shock and especially when that first year anniversary comes around it's like did that really happen or how did it happen and there's as much as it is shock and that raw feeling um you kind of felt for the family he left behind as well um yeah especially with top going back into or going becoming our owner in no way that he would have ever imagined you kind of out of the death of someone everyone comes together to support in this instance his son to help guide the club to where yeah. he wanted it to be so we've discussed what it's like to be a fan and we're going to discuss the current season in a moment but now it's time to test your knowledge <laughs> i know you've been looking forward to this bit you'll have five questions about leicester and five questions about the football in the 92 in general how do you think you're going to do ironically i'll probably do better on the non-leicester ones <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous and i don't want to make a fool of myself so <laughs> We'll see. I'm sure, you'll be fine. <laughs> Who scored both goals in 2000 when Leicester won the League Cup? Matt Elliott. Correct. Which two League One teams have sacked their managers in the past week? Northampton and Plymouth. Oh. No, it was Bristol Rovers. But I'll give you half a oh. point for that. 
<laughs> Close. Leicester's previous highest finish before winning the Premier League in 2016 was second in the old first division. But what was the year? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I will go with 1969 because I know that was quite a big, quite a successful period for us. 1929 oh. was the correct answer. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> Not even close. Not far off. Which <laughs> EFL team are known as the Imps? Lincoln City. Correct. Jesse Lingard, currently on loan at West Ham from Manchester United, previously spent time on loan at Leicester earlier in his career, but how many first team appearances did he make? Ooh, uh, it wasn't that great a loan spell, but I'll guess 15. It was five. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Last season's EFL trophy final wasn't played due to COVID-19, but has now been rearranged to be played before this season's eventual final. But who will contest the rearranged game? That's a tough uh, one. <laughs> oh, I'll guess at Exeter and Cambridge. Portsmouth and Salford. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a tough one to be fair <laughs> Jamie Vardy is a lifelong fan of which championship team? Sheffield Wednesday Which team has spent the most seasons in the top flight of English football? Um, Everton When Leicester beat Southampton 9-0 there were two hat-tricks one for Jamie Vardy and one for Iose Perez but which other three players scored on that day? Chilwell Yep Telemans and Madison. Yeah. And your final question. If a cup competition goes to extra time, how many minutes of football have been played if there was two minutes of added time at the end of each half? That should be really easy. Uh, 122. It was 128 because you have two minutes at half time, oh, two half. minutes at oh, full time. I thought it just made the extra half. time half. <laughs> Never mind. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got... Think you got five and a half, which isn't too bad considering we've had a lot worse on this quiz. <laughs> That's good. As long as it wasn't the worst, I'll take that. <laughs> so moving on to the current season, then it's been quite a good season so far in the Premier League, hasn't it? You find yourself in the top four. Do you think you can keep that up? I'd like to think so. I've still got last season's collapse firmly in my mind <laughs> but we look like a stronger team mentality wise I think depending on how we do possibly in the FA Cup and Europa League might stretch the season out a bit longer and we've already got a thin squad so I'm confident that we will stay in the top four especially with today's win over Liverpool after going a goal down and winning 3-1 I think that's a big statement put out not only in the context of other sides for the Premier League but also ourselves in that we can respond and win like that. So if you had to give me a definitive answer of what position you think Leicester will finish at the end of the season, what would you say? Oh, uh, <laughs> head on the line here. Um, <laughs> I'll go with fourth. So let's move on to the FA Cup briefly. You're into the quarterfinal versus Manchester United and that match will be played obviously next month in March. How have you seen the FA Cup journey so far? Do you expect to go all the way and win? Uh, I would love to, <laughs> whether <laughs> whether we will or not. I'm I'm not too sure because I think the league and potentially Europa League might take precedence, and I believe that they are probably seen as a bit more important. I'm not saying that we won't try in the FA Cup, but we've not beaten in Man United at home for well since we beat them five three in 2014. So it's a long time yeah. to go without a victory at home over a side like that, and 
they look like a quite a organised side as well now. Um, so it'll be difficult if we get through the quarter final. Um, I would love to avoid Man City until the final at least because <laughs> we've got a bad record in semi finals as it is. So <laughs> um, I'd yeah, fingers crossed, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> We'll skip over the League Cup because you went out in the third round against Arsenal, so we won't yeah. talk about that one. But the Europa League, you're into the round of 32. Again, do you reckon you could win the Europa League or do you reckon you would, or would you prefer to focus on the Premier League? As a bit of both. <laughs> I'd, I'd <laughs> love to make sure that we stay in top four because uh, obviously that gets yeah. us Champions League next season. However, if we win the Europa League, that gets us Champions League as well. So if we can fight on both fronts, then great and it's a bonus if we even get to the final I think in Europa League because there are some big teams that dropped out of the Champions League this season so even the next game against Prague will be quite difficult because I think they're doing quite well in their in their league and they've got probably a bit more European experience than us so that's going to be very difficult in probably very cold conditions on the first leg um, in Czech Republic so one game at a time as the footballers like to say. <laughs> So let's look a little bit more at the current season and transfers. How has the two transfer windows so far been for Leicester? Are you happy with the business that's been made? I'd have liked to get more or seen more players come in in January. I think I mentioned earlier about how injuries take a lot of, well, they have a big importance into how a squad can make it through a whole season. And with injuries this season, they've been terrible. I think we've had about maybe four or five long-term injuries already, so... Whenever a player comes back, there always seems to be another player that goes out. So to cover for ourselves in that respect would have been good. I think generally our recruitment has been probably one of the best in the country. There's probably only, possibly Brentford have very decent recruitment. But I can't knock the recruitment too much because of how good it's been. But I still would have liked to see some players come in um, in January. What about the transfers that went out? Were you disappointed to see Ben Chilwell leave? Given how Justin was playing and the fact that we did bring in Castagna uh, in the summer, I wasn't too too bothered in effect because Chilwell, as good as a player is, he did have his limitations and Leicester fans will know best that we saw those a bit too often when he was um, playing for us. And I think whether he agreed the move earlier on in the season, you could tell there was a big drop off in, in his performances towards the end of the season. So whether his mind was there, I don't know. But I'd say the fact that we replaced him with Castagna and also with Justin coming in, making a big step up from League One and Championship to play quite regularly for us this season, I wasn't that bothered that Chilwell had gone. I think it says a lot, doesn't it, about the strength of Leicester's defence anyway, that in the last few seasons you've sold Ben Chilwell to Chelsea, you've sold Harry (laughs) Maguire to Manchester United, but yet you still have probably one of the best defences in the league. Yeah, and if everyone was fit and firing, I think we'd have we'd be in a very good position to maybe progress in Europa League, FA Cup and Premier League all at once. But we've got Fafana out at the moment, Castagna's due to come back. So we're kind of thin on the ground. Ricardo coming back obviously is a massive help and that's pretty much like a new signing after he did his ACL um last year. So he's coming back to form just at the right time, just as another player gets injured. So uh, if they were all back and fit, um, I'd be very confident about how we carry on for the rest of the season. It's that time now in the episode where I get you to have a little think about what your all-time eleven would be for Leicester. Are you confident that you would be able to quite easily put an eleven together or do you reckon you would find it difficult to leave some players out? 
I think I'd find it difficult to leave some players out, partly because of what happened in 2016, but also how yeah. we've, for the past five years, we've had a lot of very good players, but then I have to weigh up if they would take the place of anyone who I liked to watch when I first started supporting Leicester. So who would you have in goal? That would be Schmeichel. That's quite easy for me. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> What, what about your back four then? We've we've just discussed that defence is one of Leicester's strong points. Well, who would be in your back four? To start off with, I'd say Matt Elliott because he was, again, going back to when I first started watching Leicester, he was a, a rock at the back and he performed quite well under O'Neill and he was the kind of player who you could also every now and then rely on for a goal. And We mentioned the League Cup um, coming up with two goals in the League Cup final. So that was amazing in itself. And... I think to partner him would be Wes Morgan. I don't think you can leave Big Wes out <laughs> after what he led us to in 2016 and the fact that he's still going, just about probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when we signed him, again, he was a good good transfer in, I think it was 2010 or 2011 or 2012 perhaps. He's been here nearly 10 years and he's been one of the best leaders um, and part of a big reason as to why we are where we are now, I'd say. So what about your midfielders? Would you get, How many midfielders would you go for to start with to make your ideal formation? Um, I'd probably go with a, a three. Kante, um, again, that one season we had for, with him was uh, <laughs> probably one of the best ever one season buys we've ever had. <laughs> um, Muzzy is it, of course. Probably, like I'd say, a childhood icon of watching Leicester for me. Third midfielder I'd go with would be Andy King, mainly for sentimental reasons and mainly because he's been through everything with us and that's from relegation into League One in his first season and then coming back up through the championship again with some ups and downs for example losing playoff final and penalties against Cardiff um, but then getting promoted in 2014 the great escape season the league win the Champions League he's been through it all with us and he's remained a model professional even though he's not always been starting for us or not always been the best player at the club but you know that he can be reliable uh, when he plays or when he used to play so um, yeah Andy King in that midfield So then who would be your remaining players up top? Uh, Vardy has to be Vardy uh, <laughs> Vardy and Heskey um, I think they would make quite a deadly duo anyway regardless of both playing for Leicester but um, if Heskey was in the team now I think we'd get a lot more goals anyway and I'd probably have uh, Mares because, again, his contribution and his talent and we're able to watch for a few years was, yeah, he's probably one of the best players we've had at Leicester as well. And he's shown how good he is by going on to Man City and still performing well there. Absolutely. So who would be your manager in the dugout? That's a very tough one now because you have O'Neill, <laughs> who was our manager, obviously, when in the late 90s, mid-noughties. Yeah. you got Ranieri, who led us to the time then you've got Rogers now who's made a very big impact in only two years so I think for sentimental reasons it would have to be O'Neill because he it's a, it was a different game back then and Leicester weren't big back then as we are now so I think he did a, an amazing job to keep us at a very competitive level in the circumstances. Let's go back to Claudio Ranieri a little bit. Obviously, mm. he was the manager that, that led you to that Premier League win, but how much of that was down to Nigel Pearson the previous season, do you reckon? 
a big part. He Pearson is probably credited by a lot of Leicester fans to have laid the foundations for us to go on to bigger and better things. So especially in that great escape season, there was the side was there, and I think it was just a case of maybe one or two additions to take us to the next level. I don't think anyone foresaw the next level being the title win, but just to <laughs> solidify us as a Premier League club, the the players, some, most of the players were there, the attitude was there. And I think Pearson's mentality and attitude to getting us there, was he, he has to be credited with that. And I think Pearson is often quite misunderstood, maybe. I think he has the persona of being like a miserable person or like a like a aggressive person yeah. but everyone who speaks about him in terms of the players that we've had always say he's a very honest guy very funny very dry sense of humor and I think uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for how he helped change our club and push us up one of the big talking points obviously was that Nigel Pearson do you reckon if he was still in charge in that that season would do you reckon Leicester would have still won the league I don't think we would have. I think we would have done better than the season before in the Great Escape, but I don't think we would have got up to finishing top. So what do you think it was that Claudio Ranieri brought pushed you on that little bit further to get the win? I think it was more the players we had. So yeah. um, Kante is obviously a big part, and Kante was the kind of a little bit of like an unsung hero. I know he gets talked about a lot, but Vardy and Mahrez would usually get a lot of the plaudits, but you had Kante doing a lot of the defensive work. So... Ranieri, apparently he didn't even want Kante. Um, he want, I can't remember <laughs> the other player he wanted, but um, he had to be persuaded to sign Kante. So Ranieri was a very good... He, he's a very good manager in setting us up in a very rigid way. So we had a standard 4-4-2 and everyone, everyone knew their role in the team. Everyone knew what they had to do to try and win a game. You had quite a solid defence. You had Danny Simpson who would always protect Mahrez so Mar that's probably another reason why Mahrez could do what he do because if he did lose the ball he knew he had a right back who was just going to stay at right back there was not a player who was going to be like an overlapping right back as you see these days Simpson knew what he had to do and then you had Fuchs on the left hand side who would obviously help with Albrighton so the way that Ranieri would set up the squad was here's a job go out and do it and he would give them the confidence to play how he wanted them to and how they wanted to as well okay so just before we we finish the episode then we're going to talk a little bit about heading to two matches at the king power stadium what is your standard match day what does it look like i don't live in leicester so i live in about an hour's drive from here to leicester but we would usually leave around half 11 12 ish get to yeah. leicester for about one go to a pub have a couple of drinks make our way down to the stadium have a bit of lunch usually get into the ground for about half two and then just try and soak up the atmosphere, <laughs> whatever's there, um, and then, yeah, watch the game. Is there any specific places that you would recommend to away fans who are going to the King Power Stadium to absolutely visit if they're watching a the game? There's a couple of pubs. So I think the Counting House is one of the pubs which is nearby. I don't usually... There's a pub on Narborough Road which we usually go to, so I don't really go to the pubs that are full of away fans or mix, mixed up. So usually, yeah. like, the karma environment <laughs> mainly obviously because with my dad so i don't want to get into any any uh trouble well thank you very much for agreeing to speak to us and good luck for the rest of the season thank you very much thanks for having me on 
Thanks again for Sunil for talking to us, and of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to help me on my quest to speak to at least one fan from each of the clubs in the 92 and talk all about your club, you can find us on Twitter at the92podcast or email us the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving us a rating and a review. Next time, I'll be meeting another fan from another club in the 92. See you then.